Happy Labor Day Sunday, Suns fans. This is John coming to you live with the Suns Jam Session podcast. Hope you're being safe out there. Everybody's doing the right thing and maybe having a good time, but not having too much of a good time. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Matthew Lissy, here on the Suns Jam Session podcast, and we'd like to thank you for spending a little time with us. Uh, Matthew, how are you doing on this Labor Day Sunday? Hey, doing great. How are you guys doing? How's how are the Jamsters out there? I'm watching the uh, Lakers and Houston Rockets game right now. You can see it in my glasses. Pretty soon, <laughs> I'll turn it off. As soon as it's a game, I'll turn it off. But actually, let me just turn it off right now. Um, but yeah, have have a lot of fun. If you're on the boat, make sure you have your flippity floppities on and have a good time. You know, watching us. <laughs> yeah, I hope that everybody is being safe out there. But more importantly, is having a good time. You know, I mean, it's been kind of a a very interesting year, 2020. So if you're doing something fun, uh, make sure you're just doing so safely. Uh, of course, the Suns Jam Session podcast, we're excited to be here as per usual. Plenty to talk about as we're going to explore different trade targets that both Matthew and I are kind of keying in on as we get ready yeah. for the draft and then uh, free agency and the trade and all that stuff. I mean, the round two of the playoffs are going on, but the Suns aren't in round two of the playoffs. So this is what we are relegated to talking about, right, Matthew? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, actually. It's so much fun. I already unbuttoned my top button. Whoa. So I got, I got two, actually two top buttons down, and we'll see how much further I can go as this pod goes, you know? <laughs> I swear, <laughs> if, if, if we are... Uh, down to like seven buttons down at the end of this thing. We've had a yeah. little too much fun on this this Sam Suns Jam session. So hopefully we only get down to like two buttons. Exactly. So, but before we get into everything that we're going to talk about, as per usual, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the Bright Side of Sun Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can click the like button, give us a thumbs up on this one, and go ahead and also. Uh, subscribe by clicking the bell so you get notifications whenever we go live. We go live every Sunday and, and Thursday, 8 p.m. Arizona time or Mountain Standard time. Uh, make sure you follow the Suns Jam session on Twitter and Instagram at Suns Jam. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. All right. So we're going to be talking some different trade targets that we are keyed in on. But I'm going to talk about this beer real oh, quick. Oh, look what I got. I got one. Oh, too, what, what, one. Are you, what are you drinking? Coors Banquet, baby. All right. Ready? I'm oh. going to be... There you go. Yeah. yeah. Stick with the PBR. Cheers. Let's, let's talk, sons. So, Matthew, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine last night, we were talking about the NBA playoffs and how from the outside looking in, obviously for the Suns, that's what we want. We, we got to get to the playoffs. But as we start to watch the postseason, and for those of us who are keyed in and continuing to watch basketball post-Suns season being over, we're it's, it's interesting to see how when teams lose and they're on the brink of losing or they've already been eliminated, how we try to come up with scenarios that are, are going to try to leverage everything we can to get in there. But if you lose, you start trying to dish away some of those pieces to find the right way to, uh, to make yourself be successful year in and year out. You know, once a team is, is loses, it feels yeah. like everyone is an expendable asset and that team's yes. roster must not be good enough. And therefore something must change. Right. Exactly. Are you talking about the Milwaukee bucks? Is that who are we talking about? That's part all, of it. I mean, all of a sudden Giannis yeah. is like on the trade block, you know? And I mean, just because they're down 3-1 to Miami, everybody's talking about trading him. It's interesting how that happens, not only yeah. with the Suns, because we've seen this happen to the Suns in the past. You know, you look at the 0405 Suns, we lose to the San Antonio Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. And next thing you know, we're dishing Quentin Richardson to New York to get Kurt Thomas. And then we're giving up Joe Johnson essentially to get Boris Diaw the next year. So we're starting to make these moves that aren't necessarily the right moves, but we feel like a move needs to be made. And as in every other postseason, you're starting to see that right now, most notably with Giannis. Yeah, you definitely are, especially Budenholzer too. Like the coach of the year, what was he two years ago? Mm -hmm. I, I don't even. He might. I think he won it, but honestly, he seriously was the coach to get two years ago. Now he has the greatest player in the NBA, one of the greatest players to play the game right now, and the team was had the best season. They have the MVP. Now all of a sudden, if they are out, they won today without Giannis. But if they are out, dude, 
then it's just like, what's going to happen to everybody? Everybody on Twitter, everybody on social media are talking about everybody getting kicked out, everyone restarting with the Milwaukee Bucks. And all the teams right now are on the phone, are getting ready to be on the phone to give up all they can to get Giannis. Yeah, and it's the team that had the best record in the NBA. And you look at the other teams that have been eliminated. You look at OKC, and people are already trying to start to dismantle them. You look at the Pelicans, who underperformed in the play-in games in the bubble. People are trying to dismantle them. So it's like success is the only way to not have people try to dismantle your team. And as Suns fans, we obviously know that, but we haven't really been in the mode of trying to dismantle our team for the past decade. We've been in the process of trying to figure out what guys to bring in, what trades can be made, what off unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents we need to bring in to help bolster this roster. And we're really kind of on the cusp of a team that could be a playoff team. I really hope that we're sitting here this time next year or whenever the playoffs are next year in the NBA. And we're having these conversations uh, following a playoff exit because I want to be in the playoffs, you know, I'm yeah. hoping that we win a championship, but you know, one of step course. at a time. And I, you know, it'll be interesting to see who we talking about dishing off next year, just like other teams are doing right now. You know, if what's the score of that Laker game? Cause I know you're watching that right now. No, actually I don't. And it's funny cause the reflection is my computer. So now oh. I keep my head like this, the whole podcast, hopefully it's not distracting. I feel like this is more distracting than this. So, <laughs> But, but stupid. But if the Lakers lose, you know, what, what are they going to dish off from there? If the Rockets lose, yeah. you know, what are they going to dismantle? What's the piece that's missing? Well, you know, it's, it's yeah. always an evolution of trying to bring in new guys. And I think that's kind of where I wanted to go with this podcast is we talk about trade targets. So what we decided to do was come up with three trade targets of our own. We haven't discussed them with each other. So we probably, yeah. How, it would be funny if we have the three same exact guys. I, I doubt it. I think I got two totally different, maybe. Okay. Um, but one maybe is the same. Uh, you want to start going through it right now? Because I, I don't know the score of that game right now, but I'm pretty well, sure the Lakers are going to win. So, well, that makes that series one one, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the segment yeah. called Our Thoughts. So yes, let's play a little game and let's talk about the different trade targets that we have kind of. Put on our radars. These are guys who I'd be interested in the Suns bringing in. Uh, how about you give me your first guy, Matthew? Who's the first guy on your trade target? All right. First guy is not just because he is the guy that kept the Suns out of the playoffs by missing the shot for the Brooklyn Nets. Carlos okay. Lavert. I've okay. always been a big fan of this guy. I think he's kind of low on the radar. I feel like he's not going to be a star, but he'll be like an all-star. And I think that a lot of people are kind of overlooking him. But I feel like he's very efficient, especially in the playoffs. If you're going to go to the playoffs for the past two years, they've been in the playoffs, but on a kind of a sorry team, the Brooklyn Nets. But he's averaged last year 20 points, 9.5 assists per game versus the Raptors. And then 21 points in the game last year, actually against the Sixers. Sorry, last year he was against the They played the Sixers. They lost in five. But he averaged 21 points. This year he averaged 21 to 9 and 5 which is crazy. I think that's phenomenal. He's 45% three-point shooter in the playoffs. So we're talking about a guy that's already playoff ready. Whether or not he's on a crappy team or not, in the East, if he stays in the East, I feel like he's a guy that's going to be an all-star. But actually, if he's going to be playing for the Suns, maybe not. But I think he's going to be a, a good addition to where you can have him in like the three-headed monster, kind of like when in, in the guard situation. So you can have him play alongside um Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio so who would you give up of course it would just be Kelly Oubre the only reason I would say this is because I feel like Lavert will not get minutes next year with the Brooklyn Nets because Kyrie and KD will come back and I think careless Lavert to be active and to be productive he needs to have the ball in his hands and I think he can do that in this offense and I think that he would be a great addition if we can swap him out with Kelly Oubre which I could see him playing with the Brooklyn Nets a bunch of guys with a bunch of personal uh, crazy personalities. That would be a mm -hmm. fun team to watch. He'd be a great addition for that team. And I think we would get a steal with Lavert. I think Lavert going into his fifth year, we know who he is. He's averaging like 18 and six right now, uh, playing point guard. He came off the bench kind of like halfway through his career. He's played half and half as a starter. So it's kind of, he's flipping and flopping, like going back and forth. Which is fine. So I think like here he can come off the bench, maybe even earn the starting role over to, um, Ricky Rubio. I just I really like this guy, and I feel like it's a great chance to steal this guy away from the Brooklyn Nets. 
I like Carlos Levert, and he was one of the guys that I was looking at with my trade targets. And I'm glad that I didn't choose him because oh, you didn't choose had, him. Okay, yeah, I yeah, came close good. though. I, I was I was looking at him. Okay, uh, I think the issue I had with him it was hard to make the contracts work with the trade with Kelly Oubre. Uh, we'd have to do a little. There's a little bit more manipulation that's actually involved he's, there. He's only making 16, 17 mil the next two years. Okay, so he's so right along very the same similar. lines. Very similar. So, yeah. And I think that it's a great point because I don't know. I don't see how he fits in with that Brooklyn team next year necessarily. You know, I, it will happen. Nash will make it happen. You know, Coach Steve Nash can make it happen. But I do like Karis Levert as a player. I do think that he has a little bit more uh, to learn when it comes to de the defensive side of the ball. But as a scorer, he's a great scorer. And if he's somebody who we could have come in off the bench, uh, that'd be a fantastic, consistent um onslaught of points coming in off the bench you know that's always yeah. kind of the challenge with the suns is once booker sits down you don't get a lot of points from the bench and you saw in the bubble they really excelled by having them play three and d they were shutting people down defensively and then you had like javon carter and campaign start hitting some threes with dario sharks kind of doing the same and that's what let them sustain that offensive output while devin booker was on the bench i think bringing in someone in like karis lavert i think that's uh total that steal. would yeah and he honestly, just really quick, he's a very efficient scorer. Like he's not a really great three point shooter throughout the season, but he's learned to like get his shots like book where he'll get to his spots and he's actually a better playmaker. He's improving on that end too, as well. So anyways, who do you got as number one? All right. So my number, and I will say real quick, shout out to Steve Haller in the YouTube chat. He said that would be an interesting swap. Yes, I, I do. Look I do think it. it'd be an, an, an interesting swap. And it's something that I would be interested in seeing if the Suns would pursue that. So Kelly Oubre for Karis Levert. That is Matthew's first uh, trade finder, if you will. <laughs> trade finder. <laughs> trade yes, finder. <laughs> All right. So my first guy, God, which guy do I want to go with first? I've got three of them. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to start with the probably the most polarizing guy when it comes to these. Mm -hmm. um, everybody's kind of talked about this guy recently. Uh, Lonzo Ball. Okay. He, he's definitely polarizing. Uh I know that Valley of the Suns ran a poll in late August when the rumors kind of began of that he might be disgruntled in New Orleans and Phoenix might be a destination. And they had 953 votes. 53.8% of Suns fans said no. So right there in the middle. And I know I've always been uh, a Lonzo Ball fan. Yeah. I've always been a Ball fan, you know, which doesn't really... Yeah, sound appropriate, uh, yeah. but I'm a Lonzo fan for sure. And that goes back to his days when he was playing at UCLA. Uh, I like his frame. I like that he's a little bit more of a defensive type of point guard. Uh, you know, defense wins championships. I think that obviously his shot has grown a lot and still needs to grow some more in order to be yeah. an effective player in the NBA. But I think that he has the skill set there. I think the number one challenge that he really has is kind of health. You know, everybody talks about the dad too. You know, you all oh, LeVar Ball. Take him out of the equation. If you're talking about Lonzo Ball, talk, don't talk about LeVar Ball because he's really been muted much more these days. You don't really hear from him that much. He's got too much, too much other things going on. I don't feel like if you were to bring Lonzo Ball to Phoenix, that LeVar would be something that would you'd be consistently dealing with. So take that one off of the table. Don't deal with that. You look at LeVar as uh you know, he's 22 years old, or I'm sorry, uh, Lonzo. He's 22 years old. He's 6'6". Six, six, he's a plus defender. You know, he has those, those health issues that are clearly the number one thing holding him back besides his jump shot. But I really think that he'd be a nice addition to the Sun. So you go, okay, well, how can we get him here? Well, I, you know, God bless the uh, the ESPN trade maker thingy, whatever yeah. it's called. Trade, uh, so yeah, trade machine. Trade the trade machine. So <laughs> what I did is I sent Ricky Rubio to New Orleans. And I think that's something that they would enjoy, you know, with Lonzo ball with Brandon Ingram, I'm sorry, <laughs> Zion Williamson, yeah. uh, Brandon Ingram, Jackson Hayes with those big guys to have a guy like uh, Ricky Rubio could be something that they want. You know, he's not too far from Lonzo from Lonzo ball. I know that as uh, Lonzo ball was coming up and coming out, a lot of people kind of compared him to Ricky Rubio and in, in the yeah. facets of his game. So you send Ricky Rubio to New Orleans in return. The Suns get Lonzo Ball and uh, Nicolo Melli. And that's the yeah. only way to kind of make the the contracts work. Uh, Zoe's expected to make $11 million next year. And then he's a restricted free agent following that. And then you have to absorb uh, Nico Melli's $4 million contracts, what he have. So okay. do, I, do I think he'd be a fit? Absolutely. Uh, if you take a look at kind of their games, it, 
between him and Ricky Rubio. I really feel that you're just kind of upgrading Ricky Rubio and you're getting uh, a younger version of Ricky Rubio in all honesty. You take a look at like all of their statistics and you compare them together. And what you end up seeing is that they're, like I said, very, very similar. Okay, points per game throughout their career, Ricky Rubio 11.3, Lonzo 10.7. Rebounds per game, Lonzo 6.1, Ricky 4.3. Assists per game, obviously Ricky's got him on that, 7.8 to his 6.6. Then you start to look at some of their their field goal percentages. Zoe in his career is a 39% shooter from the field. Ricky Rubio is a 39.1%. So, you know, three-point percentage, okay? Ricky Rubio, 32.8. Lonzo, 34.1, so it's better there. The one glaring challenge with Zoe is his free throw percentage. He's like a 48% free throw percentage shooter. But I think, you know, being around Devin Booker and uh, being on this team, his shooting will improve. I've talked a lot. What are your thoughts on Zoe? Well, I've always loved him. And honestly, if you're going to give... We're both Zoe people. We both like Zoe Ball. We've always been. It's a weird situation, what's going on in New Orleans, because... You're thinking about how they, of course, we talked about this last time, but Gentry's gone. Now, Brandon Ingram, I don't know what he might do. Maybe they get rid of him because it's not a fit with Zion. Lonzo wants out, so there's something weird going on. And I think if he has a purpose of play and he's comfortable in the, in the right situation, it's always about the right situation, right? Yes. He came in with the Lakers and LeBron was there. He got traded away. I'm sure he didn't want to go to New Orleans. Now he has an opportunity maybe to get what he wants. If he comes to Phoenix... He has to show it on the defensive end, which I I think he would be great there. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, him and Booker would just basically be like, hopefully Booker doesn't think like Kendall Jenner will be, you know, going for Lonzo Ball, which I don't think so. I think Booker's an upgrade, so he doesn't have to worry about that. Besides that, that's the only thing I'm worried about with those. Dude, Lonzo Ball's guy. an ugly dude. He doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, shit. It doesn't matter. In the NBA, <laughs> he can be as ugly as a clown, dude. <laughs> but do you see him fitting? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, can, I, I think. Do you see him like in the top five in assists? Because I know Ricky Rubio top three in assists this year. Do you see him being in the top five, top ten assists in the NBA? I do if he stays On healthy. Yeah. I really do. I always. That's, that's what attracted me to him when he played at UCLA was his court vision. He has that ability to kind of slow the game down. It's something that they talk about with Luka Doncic all the time. You know, he's not fast or quick, but he can slow the game down still. And Lonzo Ball has that ability to do it. He just hasn't been healthy consistently. One, he was in a bad situation in L.A., except for his rookie season. He had a decent rookie season. He got injured. Uh, and then, like you said, LeBron came in, kind of cleaned house on that roster. He wanted to bring in his vets and didn't want any young guys. So wasn't in a good situation there. Went to New Orleans, injured again. Uh, didn't really get a chance to showcase his abilities until the bubble, which he had a horrible bubble. Let's not, you know, yeah. ignore that. He had a bad bubble, and that could uh, be a lot of different reasons. You know, he really didn't play that much with Zion. He didn't really have an opportunity to play much with these, this team, and I don't know how connected he was. Uh, but I think that I'll ask you this, you know, Ricky Rubio or Lonzo Ball, which would you rather have on this team? Right now, I would just say Ricky Rubio. I'm sorry. Just because of what we've seen, how consistent Ricky Rubio has been besides having the baby, I just want to see that next year. It's it's hard to actually finally get a, a point guard that's an done addition. his job in addition. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be tough. But honestly, I don't think the Suns are going to be looking that way. Uh, but if we got Lonzo for Ricky, I would be happy. Not as happy as I would have been like last year or, yeah. I mean, two years ago. But now it's just like, I don't know. It's tough. I'm with you. I still would rather have Ricky Rubio, but if we were to lose Ricky Rubio and get uh, Lonzo Ball out of the deal, I see that as a win for the Suns. Yeah. All right. Who's your next guy? All right. So next guy is actually um, probably someone you thought of too. Is uh, Dennis Schroeder? Okay. Uh, he's a guy I've always not on liked. my list. Okay. Oh, great. Awesome. So I went a different way on this. Uh, of course, it's just a flop with. <laughs> Him and Kelly Oubre, uh, the trade works. But what's cool is I feel like if you get Dennis Schroeder on this team, you have Rubio Booker, Dennis Schroeder. And then if you can, maybe, maybe Javon Carter is gone, but you have campaign. So you have your four guards and Schroeder is used to coming off the bench. He's been very productive. He maybe could have won the sixth man of the year award. But I think if you have him on this team, then you have your four, you have your guards set and then you have your wings. Cause you have Cam Johnson, you have, um, well, Kelly Uber is gone. <laughs> you have Dario Saric, you have um, Mikhail Bridges, you have that set, and then whoever you get for the, to back up Baines, I feel like it'd be a great structure uh, put together. I think Shorter really knows his role now, which is cool. He's not a starter. He's going to come off the bench, but he would also play a lot with Booker and um, 
and uh, Ricky Rubio. Them three mm-hmm. together on the court would be fantastic. I think that would be great. And I think honestly, for that to happen, I just I wouldn't mind giving away Kelly Oubre for that reason. It's kind of like how we gave away um, last year just Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson was gone because we had our wings. Now I feel like with the step the Cam Johnson stepping up, I feel like now we have that as a solid position, and you can add Dennis Schroeder. And you wouldn't have to worry about the point guard position. If Ricky Rubio's having a tough time, he has another baby. He has Schroeder to step in, take care of things. And um, I'm just a big fan of the way he's playing right now. So I want to maybe get that addition because I don't know what Oklahoma City is going to do next year. Maybe they run with the same gang. I don't know. I would if I were them. But honestly, I would try to get this guy just like Carlos LeVert when we have the chance. So answer me this. Steve Holler brought this up in the chat. Is Schroeder a bad locker room guy? I don't know. You know, when I watch him on the court, his body language and stuff, like it doesn't give me the a good positive energy. So you're swapping out Kelly Oubre, who created the Valley Boy experience here in Phoenix, mm-hmm. and you're getting Schroeder where if things don't start to go his way and they're not winning, what's going to happen? And hopefully, hopefully the Suns start winning next year. Obviously, we hopefully we have a winning percentage next year, but... I just I don't know how that would affect it, and honestly, I thought that to myself. But I just like the way he's been playing off the bench, and I think if we can clear it up on the point guard or even the two guard end to add him, I would add him. But yeah, the locker room, I just I don't know, man. What do you think? It's interesting because your trade targets involve getting rid of Kelly Oubre, and I don't. Not, all three of mine don't. So this is interesting because we're kind of attacking oh, yeah. this from two different angles on our trade targets. I absolutely love Dennis Schroeder. He's somebody who, when he was with Atlanta, that we wanted to bring to Phoenix a couple years ago. But that was one of his issues, was kind of the locker room personality. I think that's it's a lot more muted now because you have Chris Paul there. And CP3 is a great mentor and also a filter for that OKC team. So even if he is a, bla- a bad locker room guy right now, you don't hear about it as much because you have veterans keeping yeah. him in check. I would like to see him as a part of this team. If that is a trade target that the Suns do pursue, it's not the one that I'd be upset with because I like those three-guard lineups that you're referencing. It's kind of the narrative right now in the NBA. Hey, you can win being small. Houston really kind of went all in with that thought process, and we're going to be watching that play out in the playoffs right now as they're playing the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers won tonight, so now it's 1-1 in that series. You know, big guys, big traditional team versus, you know, small ball team. But you're seeing a lot of these small ball teams be very effective in the NBA, and Dennis Schroeder would be a great addition to this team for the three-ball or the three-guard lineups, as well as having the ability to play defense when we, he is with the second-team unit. Uh, I like him for both of those reasons I always have. So that's another guy who I wouldn't be opposed to losing. But again, if you ask me Kelly Oubre or Dennis Schroeder, I'm definitely keeping Kelly Oubre because I know how he fits within the confines of the system. I know how the attitude that he brings, and I know that his hair is a lot better without little blonde lightning bolts. Okay. That's a tough one, actually, right there. <laughs> that's something to say. I think Schroeder has, a great look. Schroeder has a great look. All right. So my next guy, I'm going to stick with the same team, okay? I'm going to stick with OKC. I'm going to say target Chris Paul. There you go. Okay. Imagine a true point guard defender next to Booker. Imagine a pick and roll expert with DeAndre Ayton. Imagine a world in in which CP3 gets his sons to the playoffs and then loses in the first round. This could be yours (laughs) for a nice little price of trading Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre to the Oklahoma City Thunder for an aging Chris Paul. Uh, What do you think of that trade? I like it. And you know what? I can compare the longevity of Chris Paul to LeBron James. You don't know when he's going to stop. He can have four more great years in the mm-hmm. NBA. So if you have a winner and you have an opportunity to get this guy, a leader, then yes. What else you, What else you got on him? Well, I was going to say, okay, Ricky Rubio or Chris Paul. If you ask me that question, I'm going with Chris Paul every time because yes. I know what I'm getting. Again, the, the, the problem with him is he is somebody who is injury prone as well. And you have to... Make sure that your bench is really shored up so you have the ability to spell him and give and don't overtax his minutes, especially as he's getting older. So you're definitely running that risk. Whereas with Ricky Rubio, he's like six years younger, five or six years younger than mm-hmm. Chris Paul, the real Chris Paul. So I like bringing Chris Paul here. I think the leadership is something that we've been talking about uh, numerous times on pods. Is That's one thing that James Jones might be bringing in is leadership and veteran presence versus going with young guys and keeping the 10th pick. And you, I mean, there's nobody better than the guy who runs the entire NBA's Players Association, you know, to come in and be a mentor for these guys, you know. So, I mean, uh, I think that he fits very well within the confines of this system, without a doubt. 
You know, it's like, uh, again, somebody who can run the pick and roll with DA to perfection, uh, somebody who can free up the shooters that we have on this team. Chris Paul would be a great addition to the Suns, man. I think so too. And if you're drafting, yeah, if you're drafting a point guard too, maybe to learn from him and just really get this offense going in a way, and especially defensively, I would take that for the next few years. Definitely. Well, see, I I would go the other way though. I would draft a wing at that point. I wouldn't draft somebody to come in and work under him, his tutelage. I say you get a wing this year and then potentially get a point guard next year to work under him. Okay. That's what I do. Yeah, and I sorry, I forgot what I was gonna say. So go ahead. <laughs> well, who's your, who's your third trade target? All right, so I had to go for this guy because he likes the color purple. Okay, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? <laughs> I'm oh, glad God. one of us did this. I'm yeah, glad I just, one of us I did this. To, you know, I was battling back and forth with a few other guys, and I won't name names, but now I'm gonna go with Giannis just because you can offer Aiden and Ubre for Giannis. Um, it's weird because tonight, like when he went out with an injury, you saw the relief from the team. It's just like the whole time in the bubble. Well, not the whole time, but this playoff series where they're down 0-3. It's like, when is Giannis going to get traded? What team's going to go to? It's a lot of stress on those players. Absolutely. And honestly, I just think it was kind of relieved when he was hurt. The team can play. You know, if we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. They won. So without that anxiety of Giannis being on the team, it just helped. Them. I'm not saying they're better without him. I'm just saying, if they knew that Giannis was here for the keeping instead of his interviews just saying, I don't know, like, listen, like, ask the coach about my minutes. For some reason, not playing as many minutes as everybody else that's a star in the bubble, which is a huge issue if I was a Bucks fan. That is crazy to even happen. But, of course, he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. So that sucks. So, I mean, does he want out of Milwaukee? I mean, does the team even work as hard as him? Like, I feel like he's a hard worker. Is it Bledsoe's fault? There we go. Um, <laughs> we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. But honestly, if you can offer maybe the team, I, the Bucks won't do it. You would have to offer maybe like three picks, three first oh, round yeah. picks, DeAndre Aiden, Kelly Oubre for Giannis, and even more, even who knows. But if you can get this guy, of course, I would to have Booker and Giannis. But it's just it's something I feel like every other team is talking about right now. And every other podcast for that team is talking about. So I might as well just bring it up now. So why not us? I love it. Why not Uh, us? Well, but that's the disadvantage of losing in the playoffs. That's what I was talking about at the top of the show is you start to lose in the playoffs and all of a sudden everybody becomes expendable and everybody's going to talk about things that need to be traded and changed. I mean, to your point, Giannis goes out in today's game. the, The team started to play a little bit looser. You could see Chris Middleton really, almost take a weight off his shoulder, although he sucked in the fourth. He didn't score any points in the fourth. It took till overtime for him to kind of put them away. But absolutely, uh, it, it takes that kind of stress of that superstar around you creating that pressure and, and you being like, listen, I have to have the other uh, – I have to be responsible for the other other points yeah. and I can't get in this guy's way or I'll get yelled at. He's a superstar and he'll – you know. Uh, are, have you watched the show The Boys? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I just started season two. Okay, as did I. Uh, Giannis is like Homelander. You know, he's kind of – he's the head of the seven. He's the guy who you don't want to piss off because he owns everything and everybody around him. So that's who Giannis is in that situation. Here's what's disadvantageous for that. You'd only get one year of Giannis guaranteed. So if we were to trade off, you said, you said Ubre and Aiton, right? We'd be be saying, Hey, here's three first round picks. Here's Deandre Aiton. Here's Kelly Ubre. Thank you for one year of Giannis. And we hope that he loves the, the color purple enough to stay around for another year. That I don't know if is something worth exploring versus trying to clear space and make a run at him next offseason when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. The other disadvantage is if he does join the team, he's going to have to reach out to Charles Barkley and ask if he could wear number 34 because I can't see Giannis wearing any other number, man. That's true, and I think Barkley would give it to him. But honestly, too, what you're going to look at when it it comes to him either staying here or not, it's kind of like the situation we had with Kyrie Irving where it was like you either trade the number four pick Josh Jackson, which I love to death, or you mm-hmm. get and you get Kyrie Irving, which maybe would stay here, maybe not. He probably wouldn't have. But Giannis from going from Milwaukee to Phoenix, I I still think it's a sexy place to be here now. Absolutely. I, I think he would prefer that over Milwaukee. So to get a one season to where they must win and must get to at least a second round, hopefully the Western Conference Finals would keep him here. But who knows? If that happened. Oh my God. Could we just come on this podcast and just start screaming? Oh yeah. It, it will be one hour of sun's jam session. You and I just screaming back and forth just until scream. our lungs are bleeding. Yes. It would be fucking awesome. 
if Giannis somehow, some way ended up in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, so James Jones, if you're listening, make it happen. Okay. <laughs> so you, you've had three trade targets so far. So can you review those yeah. trade targets? Yeah. So number one was Carlos Levert mm-hmm. um, for Ubre, of course. And then number two was Dennis Schroeder for Kelly Ubre. And then uh, Anta Jacumbo, everybody but Booker. <laughs> everybody but Booker. I love it. All right. So my last guy that I think the Suns could uh, make a run at, and this is one where I actually think it might work like i think they might well, actually do it you want to take a guess um is it uh the dude from uh i can't even think of his name from detroit pistons no who, who? Chris, christian wood no no, no. um uh, oh luke Kennard. Kennard, yeah luke Kennard. Kennard is the is the right answer in the that's who the suns are gonna end up getting this offseason yeah. like but that's not who i'm targeting i'm targeting i'm targeting victor oladipo okay so I guess the first Very question good. is, would Indiana be willing to part with Depot? And he's coming off a subpar playoff performance in the bubble, averaging 17.8 points per game on 14 shots per game as they were swept by the Heat. So he wasn't playing well. He's coming off a ruptured quad tendon in his right knee injury. Uh, we know that our front office has a relationship with Indiana following the TJ Warren trade last season. So if we were to take our number 10 pick, and package that with Ty Jerome and Ricky Rubio, we could bring Victor Oladipo here. And I think that it would be a nice fit. Uh, he would play more of point guard uh, with some point book sprinkled in there. And I could see the backcourt being kind of like Dame and McCollum. Uh, he's a solid defender being named all defensive first team in 2017 slash 18. I'd give this one like a hard seven as far as the plausibility of it occurring, I could see it occurring. I could see the Suns trying to make it run at somebody like Oladipo or McCollum and running that two-guard ex- explosive scoring backcourt that a lot of teams are running now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Ricky Rubio. I love having a distributor. I love having him as a leader on this team. But Victor Oladipo is a guy who you know you're going to get probably about 25 points from a game right next to Devin Booker who's getting you 26 points a game. I mean, that right there is 52 points a game every night. How could you say no to that? That's true, yeah. That is definitely true. It's just him on um, a facilitating-wise kind of way where I'm trying to think, like, he he definitely could finish around the rim. Um, Honestly, he's not as good from three. Rubio might be a little bit better. I just, I think that maybe, I don't know. It's so tough. I can't figure out if I want Victor Olandupo or not. Olandupo or not. I just, I can't. I just I can't figure it out if I want him or not for Rubio. I just it's tough, dude. I really don't know. Yeah, it's again it comes down to the same question. It's like, do you want to break up what this team has accomplished this past year, which isn't much. I mean, we didn't make the playoffs, but no. we're heading the right direction and we have the right pieces. And I mean, the right culture, the right pieces. It's really hard to have all these things come together. And you like, I can't remember the last time I like five guys on the Suns, let alone ten of them. That's true. Yeah. You know, and I like time. I like every member of the team all the way down the bench. I know. Uh, everybody but like Frank Kaminsky. And I love Frank Kaminsky. I just don't think he meshes well with the team. Like, so yeah. it's really hard to sit there and look at these trade targets and go, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, bringing Victor Oladipo here for Ricky Rubio is going to make this happen. And Ty Jerome and, and, and our number 10 pick. This is what we need. Because you don't know how they're going to mesh. And you don't know, you know, uh, Steve Holler says in the YouTube chat, will Oladipo ever be as good as Rubio in the future? You don't know after his injuries. Pre-injury, I would say absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of guy you want to bring in here. Offensive firepower, can play defense, can assist in playmaking with Booker alongside him. And this team could be really good. But you don't know. And that's what makes this so tough, especially considering I really like what we have right now. That's true, and it, it it actually has to deal with whether or not you trust Booker as a playmaker now too, as well, because he's been so much better. So if he is actually the facilitator in a way, maybe that helps. Um, I don't. I mean, he's not better than Rubio. He might be better than Oladipo at playmaking. He might be now. I'm just saying. So that could work because we would just have solid offense from those both or oh, from yeah. both those dudes, dude. So we'll see uh, the trade deadline. I'm sorry, the trades will start after the season. We still got about <laughs> yeah. a month and a half until that happens. Yeah. You know, but it, it was fun to do this exercise and just take a look at what our roster could potentially get us if yeah. we wanted to flip it. Totally the next true. topic I wanted to talk about was NBA 2K21. Yes. Matthew, you bought this game, right? You I broke did. down and bought it, right? And I actually took a moment to take a break just to do this podcast. Oh, you're such a such a sweet guy. 
Yeah. Uh, I know that you wrote a column yesterday for Bright Side of the Sun, kind a of blurb. Yeah. Yeah. B- b- breaking down the different <laughs> player ratings for yeah. uh, the Phoenix Suns. But tell me, what's your initial thought on just playing the game so far? Well, it, it's the same game. So what they're Is trying it? to, yeah, it's the same thing, but they have a different neighborhood. Um, I'm actually doing a different kind of build for my players. So that that's cool. I'm, I'm trying to something different this year, but honestly, it's the same. It's still fun. It'll last me a couple months of playing a video game, which I, I need. I need something to do in my spare time once in a while. So that's why I got it. But honestly, it's the same until the next generation of 2Ks come out. This is going to be the last one probably for the PS4 that they actually put any effort into which they really haven't for the past four years, but I'm addicted to it right now. I'm excited to play. Like always, I bash a thing in my blurb for bright side. And then I go and buy it two hours later. So that's the way this game is. People trash it as much as they can. And then they go buy it and play it. What edition did you get? Uh, just the regular Dame Littler one. Okay. Yeah. I have uh, I have the Mamba edition waiting for me down at GameStop. I just haven't gotten down and got it. Cause I don't know. I just, I'm playing Madden right now. And that yeah, sucks. You, it's so bad. I know if you're playing Madden over 2K, it's just like yeah. No, I'm gonna go get 2K. 2K. I'm it's gonna go fun. get it. If you know what you're doing, and I don't know, if you build the right guy, you got to look up these 14 year olds online. The 14 year olds will tell you what builds the best. Oh and yeah, then you just go from there. You can have some fun. All right. So, do we put too much stock in the ratings that players are bestowed upon by Ronnie 2K and the 2K people? Uh, oh, and do the players put too much stock into those ratings? Oh, dude, the players care about it too much, man. Year to year, this is what they base their their play on is their ratings from 2K, and 2K does them dirty a lot of the times. I don't feel like 2K really pays attention to how well these guys are playing on the court. And honestly, um, I don't really care about the Suns players too much because I never play as a Suns, unless it's my player because they always suck. But this year, you know Devin Booker got screwed. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think that was kind of my big takeaway from it. it was taking a look at so if we go down the list we'll start at kind of the bottom and Tariq Owens is a 68 Jay LeCue is a 68 Elio Kobo and Ty Jerome are both 71s Check Diallo Javon Carter both 73s Campaigns a 74 Kaminsky's a 75 Sarge Cam Johnson 76 Mikhail Bridges a 77 Aaron Baines a 78 Ricky Rubio 79 Kelly Oubre Jr. an 81 DeAndre Ayton an 84 Devin Booker an 87 Here's where I have issues with this, okay? Here's guys who are rated higher than Dem Booker. Luca, 94 overall. I get it. Great talent. Potential MVP. 94 is high, but I, I won't go, I won't get too upset about Luca being a 94. It's just frustrating to see. Am I right? Yes. And okay. then he'll he'll be on the cover next year. So yes. that's what we're gonna get ready for. Donovan Mitchell being an 88. Uh, that's gotta be cause he got the team to the playoffs, I guess. Like, I don't think winning. that Donovan winning Mitchell. Okay. So here's my question. Then if winning is the reason that Donovan Mitchell's an 88, Trey Young's an 88. I know. Isn't that crazy? This is what pisses me off is the Trey Young rating. I think that as I was looking during the ratings, I, I, again, do we put too much stock in these ratings? Yes. And no, clearly we're putting stock into it. Cause we're sitting here talking about it on our podcast. Do players put too much stock in these ratings? Absolutely. They do. Like you said, they base their whole, you know, style of play against these. Well, I, I got to get this badge because they, you know, they're not recognizing where I'm, I'm being, you know, yeah. they, they, they use it as an opportunity. Somebody like Dem Booker who won the fucking 2k tournament last year will use this as fuel to better his game. So I'm all for it. But then I was looking at the ratings. I'm like, okay, let's see the guys who outranked Devin Booker and no big deal. I guess, you know, Don Mitchell pissed me off a little bit, but like we said, winning kind of takes care of that. But then you have Trey young on a team that's way worse than uh, the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah. And, and and here's what I have. Okay, so they have him at a 90 from three-point land. 90. His career is 34% from downtown. He was sixth in the NBA in makes and attempts this past season, shooting 36.1%. For players that qualify, do you know what his 36.1 three-point percentage this past season ranked him in the NBA? Take mm-hmm. a guess, Matthew. Fourth. 40th. 90th. 90th. <laughs> 9-0. Yeah, I know. And that's what they gave him was a 90 of three-point shooting. It's like, listen, just because this motherfucker likes to sh- chuck up threes doesn't make him a 90 overall in that category. Like, I like eating Taco Bell. It doesn't make it good for me, you know? Like, yeah. I just, yeah. I don't yeah. understand that ranking. 
there, there's a lot of issues with the ratings and the way players look and stuff. So they're fixing it now. But what I think they don't do is so Trey Young was an all-star starter. So the more that he's seen on TV, more on TNT, ESPN, then they're going to give him better rating. Booker's in the shadows kind of here in Phoenix because we're not winning. 8-0 in the bubble. They already, I think they published these ratings before. But even before that, Booker's game, he's an all-star now. Yeah. It's like, how do you, he was an 88 before. Make him a 90. I don't he's get a 90 this player. obsession that everybody, out 2K or not 2K, has with Trey Young. Like, he was an all-star starter this past year. Yeah. Trey Young's a, a good player. He's, he's not, young, though. But he, but he he's gonna be great. It's just you have yeah, you have him don't Doncic. reward him already. Like oh, let I him know, earn I his way there. But he's a like, fun player he, to play with, so that's why they he, do it. Yeah, yeah, okay. He's a fun player to play with. He's chucking up fucking 14 threes game <laughs> yeah. and hitting 36% of them. Like that can't be fun. Like he's he nutmegs people, and I get it. He's got the highlights. Again, we've yeah. talked about that in the past. Like Dem Booker doesn't have the highlights until the bubble happened. Once the bubble happened, yeah, all of a sudden his highlights, yeah. you know, he has a highlight reel to pull upon now, but Again, don't want to put too much stock in it. Just pisses me off that Trey Young got an 88 and is technically better in the NBA than Devin Booker. Yeah. 2K, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, not my blurb. I kind of I put them together in their group, and it's kind of like it makes sense so who they're with, kind of. But Booker has earned the 90, and it's taken too long for him to get there. I just I don't understand it, dude. I'll never buy their game again. Wink. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I can't wait till that PS5 comes copies. out. I'll get all three editions. Yeah. <laughs> I want the Dame edition, the Zion edition, and the Mamba yeah. edition. I'm going full tilt. <laughs> all right, let's talk about our thoughts on what's going on yes. in the NBA playoffs. Thoughts. Um, brains. All right, so we have Toronto <laughs> playing Dancing. Dallas or Dallas, uh, the yeah. Celtics. I'm sorry, I agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're playing Dallas. To Toronto playing the Celtics. Uh, they've come yeah. back and actually tied the series after winning 193 yesterday. Is this the best series that's going right now that nobody's talking about? Yeah, because you know when a team goes up 2-0, everyone looks the other way. But mm-hmm. you forget Toronto, man. They're sneaky, and I was worried about them too coming out of the East. Um, besides the Miami Heat, I was earlier. Um, we talked about it with someone we were talking about from I forget who it is. I forget names all the time, but we had them on the podcast, and I was like, "What about Toronto?" They're like, "Nah, I'm not worried about them." But you got to be worried once they get any kind of momentum, or they win a game, they win a game on a buzzer beater. That's gonna give them. Now they're gonna be cruising to the championship. I'm not gonna say they win the championship, but you got the Celtics on the other end too, man. Where it's like they're still young. They took LeBron to Game Seven two years ago, mm-hmm. but in the Eastern Conference Finals. But they're still they're pretty young, dude, and they have to overcome this. It's tough when the other team has the momentum. They have to switch it over. They have to play dirty. The Celtics got to start playing dirty, dude, against this Toronto team, or else it's over. And that's kind of the Celtics' game. I mean, they're defensively tough team and they're a dirty team if you will i mean they play in the trenches but toronto that last game i didn't watch much of it but it was a defensive battle and it just goes to show you again how well coached toronto is you can't turn your back on a team like toronto they don't get down in the dumps they just continue to come at you pascal siakam hasn't been having a great series but he started to have a little bit of life to him yesterday and all of a sudden it's tied you know and it's Again, I, I was feeling really good about, you know, last time we did this podcast because Boston was up, I think, 2-0 at that time. And I called them going to the finals against the Clippers. I'm like, yeah, man, they're on their way. Looks like they're going to be playing Boston. That's going to be a great series. And now you just yeah. don't know. You just don't know. You don't know. And it, it makes it fun, though. It makes it fun to where you just don't know who's going to win. This is what it's about, dude. And and these players have been great. Of course, the first round kind of sucked. But now we got these great um, besides the next one we're going to talk about, we have these great series. So but that's what makes this the second round so good. Because, yeah, the first round was horrible. I talked about that before, too. Though, right? I mean, yeah, it is. That's a bad first round. Yes, it's almost it's hard to watch. And I like that the NBA has just sped the playoffs up. And they're just doing game, 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 game in the bubble. Yeah. Because in the past, they would take that first round would take like almost an entire month. And you'd have to everyone have to sit there and wait for the entire first round yep. to be done to start the second round. It's like now they're just kind of rolling with it, which is fantastic. Yes. You, you obviously you look at the other uh series that's going on in the Eastern Conference, and you have Miami's up three to one on the uh Milwaukee Bucks. We talked about that a lot at the top of the of the podcast. Uh, what are your thoughts on the potential uh, epic collapse that's happening with Milwaukee? You know, it's tough because I think a lot of it comes with, like I said earlier, with just Giannis playing in Milwaukee. It's like if you want Giannis to actually stay in Milwaukee, you have to win as a team to keep him there. And I mean, it sounds simple, but it's true. You have to 
at least go to the Eastern Conference Finals every year if you want him to stay to have a chance to win a championship. So that's added stress on them, I think, is really taking away from their game, and they're just not as relaxed. They're not playing in a free-flow offense like they normally do. Their defense isn't playing as great. Uh, they're just playing kind of like they're overcompensating for something. It's just it's a weird flow to their game, dude. I know Miami's great. They have the hustle. They have the the battle within all that crap. But honestly, I always felt like the they were better. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're a better team, and they shouldn't be down three zero. It's like they lucked what, out tonight. What what is the reason they're losing, and why is it Eric Bledsoe? Oh, dude. Well, Bledsoe actually looked okay. He had today. a decent but, game today. Yeah, if, yeah. If my point guard. On this team, on my favorite team that's going to maybe win a championship is averaging 11 points and five assists in the playoffs. It's not going to happen. But then Middleton, what do you think about Middleton? He's shown up. I mean, he showed up tonight. That's it, though. I mean, he's the guy that needs to show up, but why can't he do it with Giannis on the court? He's the guy who disappears. There's always a guy who disappears who you're like, oh, shit, that guy's been out there for an entire quarter. I forgot. And Middleton does that, man. I heard somebody when they were talking about bringing Antetokounmpo to Phoenix, potentially, they were saying, hey, you know, he needs somebody like Booker who consistently score next to him. He kind of has that in Middleton. Middleton just typically plays the three. But the difference is Middleton disappears. Booker doesn't really disappear, man. No, no, he'll take over. But you're right. Middleton is like one of the most efficient scorers ever. He is fantastic. I don't understand why he's having such a hard time. If they can get that going and just tell the team, like, or if Giannis can announce, I'm going to resign right now, then they would win the championship. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to resign with Milwaukee after we win our championship. Then they would win. No, I had well, actually, right now before the championship, all the pressure <laughs> would be gone. They it would, would start playing. But you know what? They have to win the next three games just to advance. It's never happened before a 3 0 series. Uh, I know it's happened in hockey, and I think the only time it's ever happened in baseball was 04 when Boston came back against your Yankees in that epic series. But I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's, if it does, it's going to be. I'll well, get, Giannis, is, Giannis is out too, so he's yeah, not with, probably going to come back. Yeah, with that ankle. I mean, after respraining it again today, I mean, yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, the Heat, we talked about it multiple times how dangerous this team is, how scary this team is, and they're stepping up. I mean, they're, they they're sh- showing up and showing out. They're Jimmy Butler looking on defense looks amazing. He can take over a game at any point. Tyler Hero. I mean, this kid does not look like a rookie, man. He, he took huge shots today. I mean, he they almost yeah. forced it. They almost won it today with him. He's the reason I actually joined the Miami Heat on 2K because I wanted to play with Tyler Hero. Is that weird? That's why I love this dude as confident. He's more confident than Booker was at his age than he is now. It's just it's crazy how I don't even know the ceiling for this guy, but he's gonna he's gonna be an all-star one day for sure. Yeah, he's lights out shooting. And then, you, of course, you have Duncan Robinson, who nobody talks about still, who also is rated like an 83 in three-pointers on 2K. Just Makes no sense. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Three. Yeah. yeah, they don't – 2K doesn't make any sense, all right? They gave up okay. two years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Then, then you look at the Western Conference. Both of those series are both at now one and one. Uh, the yeah. Clippers are tied with the Nuggets, and you have Houston and the Lakers are now tied. And – I was actually in really enjoying watching Harden play the other night. Um, it was interesting because he's had 17 points with like seven minutes and 30 seconds left in the second quarter, which is a total number of points that he had in the game seven against Oklahoma city just two nights prior. Why doesn't he play like that in game seven, man? All right. So I'm not on the side. Okay. So do you remember his block in game seven? Was that not a big play? It, of course it was the one on Lou Dort. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a system he plays in, man. I just so Harden, he's had the history of like he doesn't show up, he gets too tired, all that. Yeah, but for this, for him to get over this hump, I feel like it helps a lot. It, it's it's ugly the way they got over it. And he didn't play that well. Of course he didn't, but he had that huge block. I feel like they got the momentum. They lost tonight to the Lakers, but they went up 1-0. I just I think he gets a bad rap. He's on the weirdest teams ever. First of all, he had Chris Paul come to the team, another point guard. Now he has Russell Westbrook, another point guard. The two best players on the team are always the point guards. It's the craziest thing ever. It's part of the system. And I just, his his list of game sevens, like, so 2013, I just want to go through this really quick. Please. So this is Harden, 2013. First OKC, first round, 26-7-6 and six in a game six loss. 2014 versus Portland, first round, 34-6-4 and four in a game six loss. 
2015 versus the Clippers. This is the second. This is the second round game seven. He won 31 eight in seven. And then the game five, of course, against the Warriors, like he was 14, five and six in a loss. Yeah. That was a game four, 2016 versus the Warriors, 35, six and six in a game six loss in the first round. It, it, he's playing the Warriors again. 2017, bad loss to the Spurs. That was like the worst one in the second round where he was 10, seven and three. That was way, that was the worst. And then honestly, in 2018, it was a 26 missed threes. Yes. He had in the game. That was awful. And then last year, the loss to the Warriors again. Um, in the second round, he was 35, five and eight. So he's putting up the stats. It's just the way the team is playing the, the system that Mike D'Antoni has, it's either all or nothing. I feel like he just gets a bad rap. If you look back like 10 years or 20 years from now on his, on his stats, you'll be like, this is a great player. What's everyone talking about? It's just, I feel like he's just matched up with the weirdest guys on his team, dude. So what you're saying is Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio to Houston for James Harden. Yeah, or Russell Westbrook. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm fuck sure. Russell Westbrook. I'd rather oh, have yeah, James yeah. Harden. Imagine oh, if we brought yeah. James Harden yeah. in the desert, man. That'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, there's no way though. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I wanted to comment on that I've noticed, and I've said it before, and I know you'll probably defend this one, is the baby. LeBron James is such a baby. Like in that game one loss against Houston, when his team doesn't hit a shot or something, he starts doing the the. Yeah, the, the upset dad. I'm disappointed in you. Pouting, yeah. like looking at players and screaming. I hate that shit. And like, Dem Booker's done that plenty for the Suns. And every time he does, I call him out on it too. I can't stand that kind of play. Yeah, when you just start in front of everybody pouting and calling out your team and then making dumb plays and dumb fouls because of your emotional unintelligence in those moments. He did that in Game One. Obviously, he was a lot more happy tonight because they were winning against Houston uh, before uh, we started the podcast. Uh, and I. Check my phone. They did end up indeed winning that game. And he's, you know, I know that winning makes everybody happy, but LeBron, it's like so many eyes are always on you. You know that. And you're sitting out there just like yelling at your team. Dude, your best player behind Anthony Davis is like Kyle fucking Kuzma and Caruso. I mean, this team is weak, dude. I mean, he's yeah. gonna, they're, they're going to win because they have the two best players. Exactly. Okay, they're they're going to win the yeah. series because they have the two best players. They're not going to win the finals, but they're, they're going to win. This series because they have the two best players. Their two best are better than James Harden and a, and an older Russell Westbrook. But their supporting staff is dog shit. It's so sad though with Russell Westbrook, right? He's just inside his head, and it's just like he can't get his game going. I know he's always stumbled. He's the one you got to look at where it's like he stumbled when the games mattered the most, and this is what he's doing again. It's just it's so sad because I've always liked him. I liked his game and everything. He's a triple double god, and I've always admired that. And he just can't get it together in this in the series. He needs to. And they have maybe a chance, but he needs to get it together, man. For sure. For sure. Well, we went over a lot of different trades earlier in our podcast for our, uh, you know, our, our trade targets that both Matthew and myself like. But we're going to talk about our dumb trade of the week real quick. Dumb trade of the week. So I saw this one on Twitter. This is from at Jack Frank underscore JJF. And I don't know if this was real, but I did see this. And he said, I'm the GM of the Suns and have let me try that again i'm the gm of the suns and have made one move acquiring eric bledsoe in exchange for the 10th pick cam johnson and kelly Oubre jr that's got to be fake right no that, has that to is be a fake, dumb right? trade yeah it's, it's totally fake dude and i honestly this is one of those you just move past because uh, i saw this too dude i was like there's no way <laughs> i had to bring it up on the pod i'm like at, the nice thing about right now is you're seeing a lot of actually viable trades on yeah. Twitter and on Facebook groups and even Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report had one where we gave up, I think it was Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre in the 10th pick, and we get CJ McCollum back. And that's the first like decent trade that Bleacher Report's put forth in a long time. Um, so you're actually seeing some viable ones, oh, but man. that was definitely one that we will just ever so nicely dub off. Uh, gone dead. All right, you want to hit some mailbag? <laughs> yeah, let's do it, man. All right, it's mailbag time. You can always hit us up on the mailbag by either commenting on our live streams in the chat, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or you can email the show, session at gmail.com. This is from Vladimir Babin. He's one of our loyal Jamster listeners, and he said, would you rather A, trade Ubre for a solid starting point power forward, point power forward, power forward, B, trade Ubre for two bench players. C, trade Ubre and move up in the draft. Or D, keep Ubre. 
Mm. The solid starting point power forward. I don't know. Who would that be, though? You know, it, it depends who it is. Because I honestly, I'm going to keep Ubre out of all these choices. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're telling me like uh, we have to trade uh, Kelly Ubre for Bertans or something like that, maybe. But besides that, I'm keeping Ubre. Bertans a free agent though, so you don't have to trade for him. So I mean, no. But if you sign him, you'd probably have to get rid of Ubre, right? Uh, potentially. Potentially, yeah, to make yeah. the contracts work, I'd have to go with I'd have to go with D as well. Out of all those options, I'm gonna keep Kelly Oubre. Uh, yeah, you know, because if you trade him for a solid power forward, I feel like Cam Johnson is kind of starting to fill that role. I don't want to trade him for two bench players, uh, although that financially that probably makes the most sense. I don't think it makes the most sense for the team cohesion overall. And moving up in this draft, I don't want any part of it. Uh, I do like a lot of these prospects out there, but again, I just don't think it's something I necessarily want to do. So I'm gonna go with D. Keep Kelly Oubre. Agree. That's All right. I know. Yeah, it's been it's been months since nice. we've agreed on something, Matthew. <laughs> so, uh, what else you want to talk about? Seeing any movies? Watching any shows? No, the only thing I'm watching is The Boys. I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, I give it an eight out of ten. It's not as good as Afterlife, but I've been watching that, so Stupid. it's been keeping me busy, man. Yeah, The Boys is fantastic. Uh, my fiance actually hadn't seen it before, so she sat and watched the entire first season in like two days. And then the next season just came out this past Friday, three episodes, and we're almost done with the third episode. It's just fantastic watch there. Uh, I saw a movie last night. Did you go to the movies? I went to the movies. Oh, by yourself? No. With oh. uh, with Shannon and a couple friends. Oh, okay. What'd you guys see? So do you know who Christopher Nolan is? Yeah, I do. What do you? Why do you <laughs> say it like that? I just don't like his movies that much. Really? What, what movies by him do you not like? Um, I don't like interception. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't like uh, his Batman's as much. I don't. I just. I'm not a big fan. Like I give him like a six out of ten max on his movies. So he's not wow. my favorite. I know he's your favorite. I'm just sorry, dude. I'm gonna have no. to like, cry. Yeah, you like to. You don't like. Die. I think The Dark Knight is one of the greatest movies ever made. Period. Not just superhero movies. I think The Dark Knight is one of the greatest movies ever made. Period. The score, the cinematography, the story, the sound, it's amazing. The acting by Heath Ledger, you don't like that? No, not as much as everybody else. I'm sorry, I just I don't. I'm sorry, wow. dude. I lot of it's apologizing. Cheesy. A lot of it seems cheesy to me, so I don't Well, I don't well, he has a new movie out called Tenant, which if you are somebody who likes Christopher Nolan movies, if you liked Inception, so I take it you didn't like Inception, Matthew? No. Yeah, it's cuz you had to think during it. You don't like to think sometimes oh, it appears. Honestly, I didn't finish it. Oh my God, that movie's been out for like 10 years. How can you not finish it? It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh my God. Christopher Nolan is so unique in the way that he writes. Uh, Memento, yeah. Interstellar, Inception. Memento? Yeah. Oh, Memento's one, good. Memento's one of my favorite movies. So, so never mind. So this movie, Tenant, is a mindfuck braingasm. It is so hard to understand. It's one of those movies where I didn't really tell my friends what it was about. I sent them all a IMDb link to the trailer and said, Hey, this is a movie I want to go see. Do you guys want to go see it? Everybody wanted to. Yeah, sure. Whatever. None of them watched the trailer. If they did, they would realize like this is two and a half hours of you focusing unbelievably hard to try to understand what the fuck's going on. Cause it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Like, you know, that going in, like I'm going to have to think here, but it always as, as it always does, it pays off in the end because when the movie ends, all the little breadcrumbs that were led leading up to that kind of final scene start to click and make sense. And you, and you always leave those movies going, Whoa, I need to see that again. Like to me, that's a great movie. Like I'm not, I don't need like boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy goes through depression, boy gets girl back the end. Everybody's happy. Like I need something that makes me think I like the brain, the mind fucks and Christopher Nolan and tenant did it again, man. I mean, this movie, I'm going to go see it again tomorrow with my brother, uh, just because I want to, like, now I know some things and I want to go back and start to pick up. It's like, have you seen The Sixth Sense? Yeah. You know how, like, at the very end you find out that Bruce Willis is the dead guy? When you go oh, back yeah. and you watch the movie, you know that now. And as you're watching it, you're like, oh, shit, look at that. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing Tenet again. So if anybody wants to see a great movie that's out there in the theaters right now, uh, it, and it was great going to AMC, everything's socially distanced. Uh, you have to wear a mask. You can't wear, like, a scarf or anything. There was some guy who's getting all puffy about the fact he's like well do i have to have a specific mask what cut what manufacturer has to make my mask because they weren't letting him in because he had the he didn't have a mask on he just had like a scarf on 
Um, but it was definitely it was fun to go see, go see the movies again. And Tenet was a fantastic movie. So right, there I'll you go. Go join your brother and you. Yeah, right. You don't want to see it because you don't like Christopher Nolan because you don't like thinking. No, it's not true. His he has thinking movies, but they're not. I know Interception or whatever was <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> Interstellar, whatever was uh, a thinking movie, but usually it's kind of big and bold. It's not like thinking the word. You're like, oh, I have no idea. I don't know. It's just In- Inception is. Yeah, that's what I meant. Interception or Inception. Oh, oh, well, he's Interstellar and Inception. So I don't know. Just oh, what, what, okay, okay. My yeah, bad. he wrote Interstellar with Mel- Matthew McConaughey. Well, anyways, that's all I got for this episode of the Suns Jam session. Do you got anything else? That's it, man. That's okay, it. cool. Well, I'll make sure to remind everybody to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure if you're watching us on YouTube to YouTube to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow us on Instagram at Suns Jam. You go to our Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. And that's all I got. Everyone have a fun and safe Labor Day weekend. I'm going to go get me another beer. All right. Everyone go home and love your family. Amen.